0: to Accelerate OC, the only show focused on the people leading innovation in Orange County. Join our host, Kerry Ransom, and his conversations with the trendsetters, entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders here, because it's time to Accelerate OC. Good morning. Welcome to Accelerate OC. I'm Kerry Ransom, and thanks always to our engineer, Paul, for making me and my guests sound so good. Today's episode is sponsored by OC4 Venture Studio, where I am uh, sitting right now, at the new tech startup company building platform and community here in Orange County. And so if you're looking to help for your startup, uh, you wanna work with the next generation of really exciting high-tech companies here, or wanna be part of the Orange County startup community, you can go to oc4v.com to learn more. I am excited to have uh, my guest today, Derek Herrera. And before we get to hear from Derek, let me tell you a little bit about him. He is the founder of a company here in the medical device space called Spinal Singularity, and they develop products to improve lives for those who have spinal injuries. He started the company about five years ago after he had worked uh, for another medical device company, as he shared with me, to really learn the ropes a little bit. Uh, And so you know, clearly he was called to be an entrepreneur and we we wanna talk about that journey today. Uh, He was a graduate from the Naval Academy and was a Marine Corps officer for many years. And he was actually shot and injured while on the battlefield in Afghanistan uh, and was paralyzed. I think this was in about 2012. Uh, And he's been a very active advocate for the Marines and veterans and is on the board of several foundations uh, in that uh, area. He's also been building a community here amongst other medical device industry founders. And so we're definitely kindred spirits in that regard in trying to just connect more people here, create more of that support, encouragement uh, amongst the network. And as I talk about a lot, trying to really create advantage for those of us who are trying to create companies and create jobs here in the region. Derek, it's really great to have you here. Thanks for joining me on Accelerate OC this morning. Thanks for having
1: me, Kerry. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yes. So let's get to the starting line. Uh, I mentioned, you know, you started Spinal Singularity several years ago. Did you always have that itch to be an entrepreneur or, or what sort of led you to, uh, to start this? I think so.
1: I think I've had uh, an entrepreneurial spirit since my earliest memories. I joined the military, which uh, in some cases is not entrepreneurial, but in many cases it is. Uh, and I was actually a part of the Special Operations Community, the Marine Raider Community. Uh, And I sought that out, which was a very different experience than what you may think of the military. And so we were uh, a small team and tasked with the mission and and given a lot of leeway and a lot of latitude to accomplish the mission. And so I feel like I have always had an entrepreneurial spirit, uh, an entrepreneurial drive. And then after I'd left the military, I went back to study. Uh, business at UCLA and learn entrepreneurship um, and skills that would help me uh, and, you know, became uh, certain that that was the path I wanted to follow. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I I think there is a, a more recent definition of entrepreneurs as really this, you know, creative problem solver type approach. And really, I think it's partly been used to encompass a bigger group to say it's not just about starting your own venture you could be an entrepreneur within an an organization so even just the design of what this marine raider group is is really set up for that type of creative problem solvers small team with a mission i mean i i've always thought of the the startups that i've gotten involved with really from much more of the the mission side of it i mean i've referred to myself as a missionary many times and that it is about task at hand or problem and how do we, you know, inspire a group together to go solve it. So I'm sure there are a lot of parallels. So what, if you look back on your experience, what, what, what are some of the most kind of formative learnings that you had in that environment that you feel like has prepared you for the battlefield of the, of the medical device industry?
1: I think there are so many lessons that I can draw on uh, from that experience. Um, but the, the main, theme, I think was just being able to execute leadership at a scale that's not common outside of the military. And so my first assignment as an infantry officer, I was in charge of a little over 40 Marines and sailors Mm -hmm. um, and tasked with, you know, conducting operations in Iraq in 2008 for seven months at a time. Um, And so being able to take these individuals and, and build a team and unite them around a common sense of purpose and mission was something that was truly formative for me. Um, And then continuing to grow from there, moving on, I did another deployment in Rosenrank uh, and I was an executive officer, so basically a kind of a chief of staff for a company of about 200 Marines and then transition to the special operations community where I had a smaller team. We only had about 20 special operators, but uh, we were leveraging a partner nation force in Afghanistan uh, and building you know, a tribe there to support our operations. And so I think uh, being able to unite people from different backgrounds, uh, very, very diverse backgrounds Mm -hmm. uh, around a common goal and a common purpose to accomplish things that are incredibly challenging and and often dynamic environments that you may not always be trained or prepared for uh, is is the primary lesson. Um, And that's something all along the way is that the best people that we get to serve with in the military are, at at their core, uh, critical thinkers and problem solvers. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, very, very, very uh, true and, uh, you know, very impressive as well. So as you've transitioned into this medical
1: device industry, what's been the biggest surprise for you? I think uh, there's been a lot of surprises. Uh, So I had no experience in the industry. I didn't know really anything about it until I started to try to learn the industry after mm-hmm. I had gotten injured in 2012. And then as I learned more and more, the thing that I found which was pretty amazing and very surprising was the welcoming nature of all the people in the mm-hmm. community. And I think the sense of camaraderie amongst the med tech and med device ecosystem is built because it is so incredibly challenging to be successful. Um, there's such a wide breadth of, of functional areas that you have to be specific and successful in. And at our core, we're doing things that really help people and move the needle. Mm-hmm. And so I think the one thing that was incredibly, um, positive for me to see and surprising almost was every single person I had cold called or cold messaged on LinkedIn actually got back to me and some would mm-hmm. spend an hour, even though I had no clue. I just was, you know, a young, passionate mm-hmm. guy who said, Hey, here's my story. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm trying to learn. You're an expert. You're, you know, you're the chief of urology at Mm UCLA. Like, can we chat for 15 minutes? And almost every single person did. Um, and you know, it was pretty amazing to be able to do that, especially for someone with no credibility, no background, just a lot of, you know, drive and passion to try to solve a big problem. Um, and that spanned from clinicians to investors, to, uh, Everybody, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, it's such a challenging but important mission that I feel like we foster a sense of camaraderie and collaboration amongst the community.
0: Very cool. You mentioned you know talking to someone like a chief of urology, um, and so no doubt you've you've interacted with a lot of medical professionals, scientists, probably even inventors. Is your sense that a lot of those? kind of breakthroughs and inventions just ultimately stay on a shelf indefinitely that, you know, it takes someone like you to really connect a lot of the dots that it's not enough for just the science. What, what, what's been your experience there? Yeah,
1: that was a surprise as well. What I found and my initial idea or my hypothesis after I'd gotten injured was universities and academia Mm -hmm. is where breakthroughs and research occur. And that is somewhat true. It's not the whole picture. Uh, the reality is, is there are scientific breakthroughs and engineering breakthroughs at academia, you know, academic institutions, uh, very regularly, but a vast majority of them will never become a product and never see a patient outside in a commercial setting. And that to me was a huge lesson. I learned while at the business school at UCLA, Mm -hmm. um, and what drove me and really fulfilled my niche and my role to try to be an entrepreneur in this industry and make that change was marrying the science and the business aspect of any sort of engineering or technical or scientific breakthrough and so to answer your question directly uh there's so much research there's billions and billions of dollars poured into research every day and there's uh intellectual property offices uh at every university with giant phone books full of patents, right? Or digital catalogs full of patents and ideas that have been somewhat vetted and proof of concept that never get licensed and never see the light of day and never help someone. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was one of the biggest frustrations I had with uh, my experience as a patient, as a person, and as a participant in some of the research for spinal cord injury specifically was, why is this taking so long? Why Why is there not investment? Why is there not translation of this product? Why can't I have it, right? You know this device. You've proven in research and scientific, you know, peer-reviewed research multiple times that this could be mm-hmm. incredibly meaningful and impactful for a person like me. Why? Why is it not on the market? And the more I found about that, that the more it inspired me to try to pursue this line of work because it takes more than just good science mm-hmm. to be a good product, right? And there's a very, very precarious and challenging environment to navigate to get something on the market uh, and to. Corral investors and convince them that you have a meaningful business and value proposition, uh, and to get it there. And so that's that's how I ended up, you know, trying to pursue this as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's go a little bit deeper under on, under the hood there. So, is your sense? I mean, I spent some time. You know, we we both went to UCLA as we as we've talked about previously. I spent some time in the the office of intellectual property uh, when I was there too, and I was amazed how much ip was in there and how far removed it was from reality and and it just felt like there were so many steps to get from here to there and you know i sort of gave up after not finding something that i felt like was even within a couple steps so i mean is that your sense or is it the just the the bureaucracy of the situation that you think is the bigger impediment
1: I think it's a little bit of both. My view on this has changed over the years as I've learned mm-hmm. more. Um, and I was really bitter at first. You know, I thought it was just a bureaucracy and a an mm-hmm. university thing and everything else. But I think there's competing interests. And so, uh, especially in the U.S., people seek out academic positions and academic research because of that freedom to explore and innovate and to be totally creative, right, without uh, deadlines, without restrictions, without... Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, you know, vastly overgeneralizing the situation, sure, sure. There are deadlines of are things. Of but sure. the incentives in academia are absolutely very different than yeah. the incentives in industry.
0: Right? Well, it's almost but, academic glory is the, is the ultimate, like you being just renowned as a, is a, is, as a researcher is enough for
1: a right. lot of them. Right. And, and I used to have a really big issue with research dollars and research grants and things uh being poured into that effort with nothing coming out right Mm -hmm. and and i thought that was a major issue and now that i've seen i've been on both sides of this for a long time as a business uh Mm -hmm. owner and an entrepreneur and then also as a researcher And we've received federal funding and federal grants as well right now we're in a decent space so Mm -hmm. over the past probably 10 years i think uh these granting agencies have now started to force researchers to start to think about ideas, right? And things like lean startup methodology and how could this be a product? Like, you know, could any, what, what would, would anybody ever wanna buy this? Or like, what could that even look like? And so they're starting to force people to think about that and putting some stipulations on that, which is good. But at the same time, you know, there's there's a slope, there's a balance, right? And we don't want researchers, and I don't think sure. it would work really if you forced researchers to to be under the deadlines and the milestones right. and the pressure of industry. Um, and it might actually have the opposite effect of, you know, some of these breakthroughs that are actually huge, right, and absolutely impactful. Mm-hmm. A researcher may take 20 years of nothing, but then if they have the one breakthrough drug that comes out of it, right, not only is it a multi-billion-dollar business proposition, it's uh, incredibly valuable for humanity, too. So mm-hmm. I've kind of softened my stance on that before I was absolutely very bitter and like uh, mm-hmm. thought it was bureaucratic and thought it was you know those types of issues that were slowing things down but i think we're we're in a good spot now researchers are thinking about it more and more that's
0: that's really good perspective i think um and you know, at some level there needs to probably be a little bit more order than just a chaotic i mean it's kind of like you know within a a company you know some companies are way better at this than others but it's this idea of kind of having a lot of different bets over varied time horizons, with some sense of of organization, and that you're you're trying to gain some efficiencies where you can. Um, where mm-hmm. historically, it's probably been everyone off on their own island. I think in academia, I think it seems like there's a much more coordinated effort, and people are doing a better job of data sharing. Obviously, in this current environment we're in right now, it's probably representing the the best collaboration uh in the history of our globe
1: around this race to find a, a vaccine or a cure right yeah i think so and i think uh i, I don't know anything about it really that's going on I don't, you know except for what i've seen in the news but my guess is that um you know industry partners and academic partners are working around the clock to foster uh a level of collaboration we haven't seen before across the globe like you said right and i think a year or two or three from now and the details of that come out and we have successful breakthroughs it'll be it'll be interesting to see um you know it'll be very uh very interesting to see how that that worked out but the one thing i did learn and the last thing i'll kind of bring up about the academic system right is like it's not their fault right it's yeah. it's uh that's their incentive you know mm-hmm. their metric for success is very clear right it's mm-hmm. bringing research dollars publish papers and that's it right mm-hmm. you know they don't care if your kids you know your students are are happy with the class, I don't care about any of that, right? It's just publish and, you know, build credibility, make the institution look good. And if you can bring in research dollars, then great. And so sure. um, in some cases, that becomes this never-ending cycle of just mm-hmm. publish, grant, publish, grant, publish, grant. There's never, like, a an end or a product insight. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all about incentives, right, and in what you measure. That's right.
0: Yeah, I'm an uh, econ guy, so that, you know, you, it rings true to me very, very... Very, very real. So that, uh, uh, but it'll be interesting to see if this environment really creates a new reality for how even uh, other pharmaceuticals or compounds or even medical devices get developed and tested and brought to market. Uh, you know, are there going to be more fast track or uh, b- more balance put back? Because I just, I you know, my sense as well is that, um, back to the incentive topic, is that the lawyers and the regulators have really seized a lot more of the control in many cases than we probably need as a society to get some of these breakthroughs out there and yeah. allow allow people, especially in life uh, saving or other situations, to have more control over their decisions to say, I, I'm willing to take the risk because uh yeah. you know even if it doesn't work for me it, it could add tremendous value and i know there's some of that but it just seems yeah. like there's so much more
1: yeah yeah i'm not an expert on i'd say on the device side it's it's pretty good like there's mm-hmm. you know uh, there especially in our case we have no no like no one to blame but our you know like we're, we're a master of our own destiny right mm-hmm. the fda is actually incredibly yeah. supportive and, and helpful i think there are a lot of those stories on the drug side and i'm not an expert in that but mm-hmm. uh But I do know there are processes for that right and so i think there's probably you know to your point there's probably ways to improve that and make it more well proliferated throughout the country and things the other challenge with that is the business incentives too um and so you know these these studies and the data coming in especially for drugs is uh orders of magnitude more challenging than than our device because of the, the impact and the you know the risk associated with it and so um So yeah, but I I would agree. There's probably probably ways to improve it and and improve access and things. Uh, And so, you know, hopefully we'll be able to learn some of those lessons from this this crisis. Hopefully that's one of one of the silver linings, I suppose. Yeah, and I I think bottom line is no matter what the the public health landscape will be changed forever. mm -hmm. You know, it'll never. You know, we're going to learn things that are going to change the way we think about some of these things forever. Yes, I agree with that. So as part of your
0: process, you went through a very well-known accelerator program called Y Combinator. Uh, there haven't been that many, I've met a few others, but there haven't been that many here in Orange County specifically that have been through that program. Can you share a little bit with my audience sort of the Y Combinator experience, what what you took out of it?
1: Y Combinator was uh, an amazing and informative experience for our team and for our company. They were our first investment uh and so we had been trying to solicit investment from different angel investors and, and groups uh and then were accepted into the program there which was a lot of luck um, <laughs> and timing and, and opportunity i think um we worked really hard to to be accepted but at the same time i think it, just looking at the sheer numbers of things uh, it's yeah. you know I think it's over six thousand applications and a hundred companies in the batch, so it's uh, it's incredibly challenging to get in. Um, but most, more than anything, the the secrets um, behind why Combinator and the things that were incredibly valuable for us was just really just some basic foundational lessons uh, on how to be an entrepreneur and how to uh, view the life cycle of your company and growth um, and how to interact with investors uh, and then. Another big advantage of that as well is just you know the network, the collaboration, right? Because there's now mm-hmm. a group of people you get to meet from different companies and different industries that are all kind of going through the same things, and they do a really amazing job of, of creating a community that I still reach back to and still you know get emails from and still mm-hmm. leverage for support today. Uh, and so that was incredibly valuable for us and in our particular case. We were very early in our life cycle i said it was the first investment so Mm -hmm. it was major for us because it was a bit of a de-risking activity uh and also credibility for our company Mm -hmm. um and then we also were introduced to additional investors at demo day that were uh supportive and willing to invest uh, on fair terms which was was good uh and we learned a ton uh stuff that changed you know the way i see things and you know lessons that i learned every day and the, the probably the, the, the biggest like simple lesson that I think, you know, listeners could take away too is just boiling down entrepreneurship to the simplest, most fundamental terms. Um, and so one of the mottos they use is called make something people want mm-hmm. and really like, you know, it's, it's really easy to get caught up in like all the stuff you have to do or think you have to do or like, you know, chasing all of these shiny objects and automating this and building lines of code and doing all this stuff. But at the end of the day, uh, remaining, your under in understanding and focused on what the actual mission is, which is build a product and sell it, like
0: yeah, that solve it. it solve a problem. Yeah, solve a real problem that that like you said, something that people
1: people want. Right, and yeah. you know when you think about it that way, like it just it cuts through the noise real fast, right. And if you can't draw the line with what you're doing to like building a good product or you know improving mm-hmm. it so that people want it and selling it, then it may not be worth your time right like you maybe want to be doing something else to focus on product and mm-hmm. sales
0: that's such such a great lesson <laughs> i'm going to probably clip that out of this uh and and share that even more broadly i mean the a big reason why we started oc4 was to try to help hone people in on that uh, i've just met over my time here t- way too many entrepreneurs that are swimming in all of those decisions, and I, I talk a lot about how at times I find that they're not—they may—they may have a even a, a good idea that they're onto, but they're so distracted by some of these other things that I feel like there are chance of actually developing that right product that solves a problem is going to be low because they're just they're too busy worrying about other things yeah. and not distinguishing in the early stages that. The product is the business or, or, you know, it really is, you know, that I talk a lot about like you, you start with this idea, you get it to potentially a a product that solves a real problem that people are willing to pay for. And then once they pay you for it, then you start to have a business. And then ultimately you can turn that into a company that there's really this continuum and that like, just having an incorporation doesn't mean you have a company.
1: No. No, and and that's one of the best things, right? Is they Y Combinator likes and works with. I think the majority of the people they have in the program are first-time founders. They do that because you don't know what you're doing, right? And it's a very good and impactful experience for you. So, just talented, young, motivated, and passionate people with ideas, but that are you know exploring entrepreneurship and they want to arm you with the techniques to be successful. And so, the other piece of advice uh, which I received really early on, um, and I think contributes to this challenge, right, is when you first start out, everything seems important and you don't that's know right. what you're doing. You're right, like, that's it. Oh man, that's important. This is important. Like yeah. I got to do this. I got to get business cards or whatever, right. right? Like, yeah. you know, all this stuff. And like, it's hard to say no when someone with credibility and experience. So for example, if I had just met you and I was a first time entrepreneur and you suggested something, my initial inkling would be like, Oh, well, Carrie suggested <laughs> I that. that I need to do it. Like, Oh, you know, you're just like chasing your tail. Um, so one of the best pieces of advice I got very early on, um, I think I got it from one or two people was like, don't listen to anybody's advice. Like don't ever take it and just execute it. Right. Like nobody knows as much about the problem you're trying to solve. If you actually done this and like done your homework and you're the expert and made yourself the expert in your product and your idea, nobody knows as much as you do about it or about the market or about anything else. And so how could something that Carrie says after meeting me for 30 minutes, you know, should I just blindly execute that No, Like I should listen maybe and hear what he's saying and why try to understand why he's suggesting that. And then, you know, make a decision and make an assessment and say, I understand what he's saying, but it doesn't apply. Or I understand what he's saying. We're going to do it later. Or I understand what he's saying, but I didn't have time to explain the nuances of why we can't do it that way. Right. It's not like, and so (laughs) one of the best pieces of advice in every, you know, every person I tell like that ever asked me for advice or comes and you know, wants to learn about entrepreneurship is like, Don't listen to anything. Like, do not go out and do anything I say, right? Like, I don't know your business. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know your industry potentially. Like I'm just telling you what I like think after Mm -hmm. hearing you talk for a few minutes, right? Like in no way, shape or form, should you just take what I'm saying and go execute it, right? Like I'm just going to try to help point out things that you may not have thought of. Right. And like, it's up to you to make the decision. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, I think
0: that's great, great perspective. And, uh, yeah, we we talk a lot about you know big part of our our thesis here is way more than advice. Like we're we're going to get in and help you do because uh, until we're rolled up next to you, uh, helping you fight the fight, it's hard to have and be able to really share that perspective of what what the problem is or what the the solution to go really develop to that problem should be. Yeah. And and think it's just a different orientation than drive-by, fly-by, Yeah, uh, Yeah, and I think that's,
1: that's great. Like, that's so amazing that you can do that for your companies. And I think it probably would make, you know, your time and your impact much more uh, meaningful as well, right? Like some of the advisors and the people that we have that have supported mentors that we've had that have supported me along the way that are able to do that have been transformative for the company, right? Because mm-hmm. they've continued to see progress, continued to, you know, see the updates that I share and, and actually, you know, have contextual awareness and understanding and can say, Hey man, like, you really shouldn't do this. Or like, you should try thinking about this, or you should, mm-hmm. you know, you shouldn't hire these types you should, you know, you need, this is what you need, you know? And, uh, that's one of the big things that's been been incredibly helpful for us. That's awesome. It's so awesome that You guys are doing that with OC4 and especially cause like you said, right? Like the, First-time entrepreneurs, right? You, it's it's tough to navigate this space, and so if you have that context and and it's in your sweet spot in your experience, right? Then why wouldn't they listen? You know, why why wouldn't you do that? So, yeah, hopefully we're being
0: being helpful, obviously, or or uh, giving giving good good direction more often than not. Catch us up on sort of where things are with the company and and what's ahead in the the coming year.
1: So, Spinal Singularity is a uh, early-stage med device company. Based in San Clemente, um, we're designing a product we call the Connected Catheter. And it's a catheter for men who've lost control of their bladder. And so it enables them to enter their bladder with the push of a button. And uh, eliminates the need for drainage bags and all the problems associated with catheterization. uh, So many issues that people have to deal with. Um, And so we've been developing this product for uh, a little over four years now. Uh, we've had multiple clinical studies, so we've done about three clinical studies and iterated each time to make a product that, you know, works and performs to the expectations and the, the reliability that we need. Um, and so we have the latest iteration of the device, which we're going back into clinic with soon. They've been ready since, uh, mid March, but, uh, obviously yeah. due to the, the challenges that we've foreseen, all of our clinics are, are closed for, mm-hmm. um, elective procedures and research Is that
0: starting to open back up a little bit
1: it is yeah yeah so um so we're optimistic that you know over the next month most of these clinics will begin to open back up and we'll be able to get back on track uh and move forward with uh, the business and so our goal is to collect this data over the next year or so and then hopefully be on the market uh with an fda clearance in 2021
0: very exciting very exciting so you're doing it here in orange county uh, which I greatly applaud all all, uh, all of us willing to sort of put out the shingle and, and do it here um, what do you think we can do better here um, and it, I guess particularly to get more people excited about um, participating you know even investing in innovation here uh, and, and what I think about is sort of innovation moving forward where you know the innovations of the past that maybe, where people made a lot of their money here aren't necessarily the same ones moving forward so any thoughts on how how to get people more excited about uh, yeah innovation ahead
1: yeah i think uh for the ecosystem the the things that that could really help is is the network and creating more points of contact within the network both on the entrepreneur side and also on the investor side and then i think uh the two things really is the network and education Right. And not like formal education, but just mm-hmm. uh, being able to understand how to do startup investing. Right. right. There's plenty of very wealthy people here, uh, family offices, alternate worth individuals, all of these people. And um, if they've made their money in a lot of different ways, they may not be a part of an angel investing group or have access to this or, mm-hmm. uh, or know how to invest in startups. And so I think some of the angel groups um, could be effective at doing that. Uh, And a lot of it's just proximity and points of contact. Right. And so Mm -hmm. um, for me, I didn't, you know, know anybody who was a medical device entrepreneur. So it was foreign to me. And so I had to seek those people out Mm -hmm. um, and learn from them and figure it out. And so I think it's, it's the same way as if, you know, I had no idea I wanted to go to UCLA. And when I did, I didn't know anybody who was there. And so I had to seek out people and find people within my network to make it tangible and, and actionable, right? And then
0: mm-hmm.
1: after talking with them and understanding the situation, I was able to to accomplish that task. And so I think creating networks and you know making things like this tangible for people is is uh is the only way to do it. And so, you know, for someone who may be an ultra high net worth individual who's never invested in a startup before, if they find a person like you or Matt Hayden or any of these people that can help them and curate the deal flow. Uh, and understand terms and investment profile and trajectories and potential returns and and those sorts of things um in a comfortable and non-threatening way then you know they could take that risk and uh if the companies are delivering then you know they'll have a good experience and and create massive returns hopefully as good startups do um and then create the you know hopefully a a desire to do that more often and, you know, additional funds to do that more often. And so I think it's just introducing those investors and educating them on that side. And then for the entrepreneur side too, the one thing I think that the barrier does really well at, that we haven't figured out. And just, I think probably because of a lot of different reasons, um, is there's like these constant, you know, interactions, it's like a hive, right. of Just entrepreneurship. So you walk down the street and you see, they got like everybody goes there. Like it's all, all roads lead to Rome. You know, everybody's there, right? Like it's in the water. Yeah. You just just...
0: go, yeah. You feel like you're, you almost feel like you're missing out if you're not in
1: that. Yeah. And so that's a good thing. Um, but I don't think Orange County may ever like replicate that. Sure. Exactly. But I think that's also a good thing because, you know, we like having yards and space and open spaces and going to the beaches and we have great weather and we have all of this stuff that creates a little more isolation and so that's why uh, one of the challenges that that presents is how do we foster this collaboration and the networking? And that's something that you know Matt Hayden and you're doing, and you know we tried to build these networks and things. And I just recently started a, a small group to try to unite and you know create the collaboration and just uh, strengthen the network of med tech and med device CEOs and founders and you know executives um, of these startups here in orange county because what i found after you know meeting so many different people was that there's so much innovation and entrepreneurship going on here mm-hmm. but you just never know because it's right it's quiet we're not it's bouncing happening. each other we're not right. right we're not that's bumping right. into each other walking on the street because we're not compressed and in this hive mm-hmm. right um but with tools and technology like zoom and everything else right like we can set up and facilitate this type of collaboration and uh people seem to enjoy it and so that's what we've done um personally we've got like you know, maybe 15 to 20 med device or med tech founders, CEOs, CEOs, you know, executives. And right now we're meeting weekly actually on zoom. Um, but you know, when we were meeting in person, it was, you know, monthly just for mm-hmm. happy hours, hanging out and just getting to know each other. Right. Cause it's fun, yeah. right. To get to hang out yeah. and do this. And like, it's therapeutic to talk to other people in the similar situations mm-hmm. as you, but then you also learn about opportunities. And, and like you said earlier, like creating advantage it's been, it's been really, really rewarding and really amazing to see. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I applaud you for doing it and, you know, we, we need to do more of that. We need to do more cross-pollination. I mean, you know, there's, there's industries like med, med device or automotive or apparel. I mean, there's all kinds of diversity of industry here, which I actually think is one of Orange County's strengths, but you have people that often live in those silos and, some of the breakthrough innovations may come by the cross-pollination and yeah. that those collisions that, that could occur. And so, um, I, yeah, I'm just trying to encourage people to be a little bit more open-minded and yeah. just even, even, you know, n- proactively storytelling, you know, part of the reason why I started this was just to try to give people like you an opportunity to tell your story, because there are, to your point, amazing people here doing, really cool things and there just isn't enough of a platform or set of platforms for them to talk about it um, to hopefully inspire if you can inspire one more person to go pursue their dream that's going to be another activated excitable node uh in this network right
1: definitely yeah yeah and i think uh you know like i said culturally there's some differences with the bay area right Mm -hmm. like you know, if you're a highly experienced engineer here and mm-hmm. you may not find your next job on Craigslist, whereas, you know, in the Bay Area, like don't, that, that, why wouldn't you find a great job on Craigslist? Right. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the stuff is sometimes insular. So it was really hard for me when I was first starting, cause I had no, no personal network and no experience in the industry to try to break in and find mm-hmm. talented people mm-hmm. to hire. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so it's never going to be the same, but at the same time, like you said, if you can create, uh, awareness and platforms and everything else and more touch points within the network um, and storytelling. Like mm-hmm. hopefully it'll make it more relatable and accessible to people. Sure. What What things do you feel like uh, as, a,
0: as a founder, you know, trying to build a company, what are the things that you feel like we do need to bolster or improve to help someone like you here? I mean, you know, I think you're a great example. You, you didn't Grow up here. You didn't go to USC and come back home. You know, just sort of um, come back. You know, do the the cycle. But we should be trying to roll out the welcome app for people like you, trying to start amazing companies and create a platform for great jobs here that you can. So, <laughs> yeah. what, what can we do better in your mind to help you
1: succeed? Yeah, I think uh, for us right now. Um, there's probably some some political things that could help like some policies you know as far as like uh some preferential tax treatment and some other things so i've been exploring some of the opportunity zone things uh because there's one in san clemente where we live and where our business is um and so those those types of things on the policy level could be helpful um i think the the investment and access to capital is very important obviously um you know, and it'll never, like I said, it may never be the same as a barrier, but at the same time, just providing or finding those types of early stage capital and those opportunities here could be helpful. And then, uh, you know, the network itself, like just doing that and, and fostering that is, is definitely of value. Um, one thing on the policy level as well that I haven't seen that I've seen in a lot of other places, which I think has been pretty successful for them is, uh, just money, right? The dollars, um, for like government dollars to create this ecosystem, right? And so like, I think one of the most, I think one of the most successful, the highest paying ones I saw recently was in Buffalo, New York. And they had a startup competition where if you applied, they would give you up to half a million dollars. If you win, if your company wins, as long as you move the company to Buffalo, New York, yeah. Right. Or kept it yep. there for a year but and had a majority of employees there.
0: City funds. That were, I think so. I'm not. pretty sure it
1: was government funds, right? Mm-hmm. Because they were like, Hey, yep. we need to diversify our offerings here. This is a good mm-hmm. place to be. Like, let's see if, you know, half a million right. dollars, if that creates two or three or four high paying jobs, like we're going to make money back on tax. Like yes. that's going to be a good investment of our resources. Mm-hmm. And so we pay for a lot of taxes, a lot of stuff here at Orange County. And, uh, like, I would be hard pressed to think that, you know, we can't front another million dollars for a competition like that or something to, or, or something, right. I mean, it may not even need to be a million dollars, right? Like it may only need to be a certain amount of money. Um, sure. But that, I, it's I mean, it's got to be
0: compelling enough that somebody like yeah. you says, Hey, I'm willing to go compete for that because right. that, that will allow me to actually yep. hire a few people. I mean, that's, yeah. that, that, that matter. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you spend, I mean, one of the things I've, Seen over and over here, I, mean, I call it the return on effort, and often that return on effort to raise not that much capital is really low, and that's challenging. It's really challenging as an entrepreneur. It could be just so tiring and disheartening, and I, I think at times it even takes a little bit of the energy out of your sales for going to pursue this opportunity. And, and I think for some here, that's what keeps them in jobs. And it's like it's this negative cycle where they go, you know what, I'm just gonna stay in this job. It's fairly comfortable. Yeah. And you know, my whole thing is like we gotta inspire people to get out of their comfort zone, but we have yeah. to show them that the support is there when they do, and not, you know, not just slosh money around at any random idea, but to show people that there is there is a support system here that wants to help them be successful.
1: For sure. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, like you said, right, like half a million dollars for a seed stage startup is a lot of like, it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and I think to our credit, right, we have a lot of stuff going for us as well. Right. Which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a bad place to live. It's a good, no, know, it's amazing. Like best place there is as far as I'm concerned, best place to live in the world. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. great weather, lots of stuff to do. Good, talented, you know, mm-hmm. people, great climate moving to Buffalo, New York is a uh, a different proposition, right? right? Yeah. So you may have to,
0: you may have to raise the price. Yeah. Exactly. Right?
1: Like I'm a wimp now. I don't do cold anymore. Yep. Um, another one that's big too, is, uh, I think San Antonio as a city was co-investing in similar, you know, similar types mm-hmm. of ideas and terms, right? Like, Hey, I can help corral $2 million for your series a round. If you move the company here, mm-hmm. you know, or those sorts of things, I've heard that from multiple startups as well. Um, and so, You know, we got a lot going for us, but if, if the cities want this type of ecosystem and this type of development and these types of jobs, like the talent here, it's just a matter of, you know, creating those opportunities and, and even that alone, right? Like the one company that wins the half million dollars might be, you know, one interaction itself, but the hundreds of companies that apply for that and come down and creating this network and interacting, like that's just another point of contact, you know, for, uh, networking and building those sorts of things. Um, And that was similar to what another program that we did was called MedTech Innovator. And they're set up as a nonprofit, but they take, you know, it's a virtual accelerator for med devices and med tech. And they have a cash prize of, I think this year it's like 300 K, which is non-dilutive. It's just cash. Mm -hmm. If you win. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's all corporately sponsored and things, but it's a, it's an amazing, amazing program because strategic companies are there that are, interested in looking at new technologies and you know mm-hmm. and all of these things and advisors, you know, and the ecosystem is is there and it creates that touch point and that, that point of contact for everybody and people that I still stay in touch with today. Yeah.
0: You know. That's awesome. Well you've you've yeah. certainly been smart about tapping into some of those opportunities like Y Combinator and, and, and that accelerator. And that I think those those are the the especially in this day and age, the kinds of inputs that certainly I'm sure have and, and will help you down the line.
1: Yeah, we were incredibly fortunate. Um, yeah, you know, and as a first time founder, right? Like it's a big struggle to raise money. So we, we did the shotgun approach, right? We did everything, right? Everything to get started. So like, you know, pooling our savings, uh, crowdfunding campaign for donations, mm-hmm. accelerators, try to talk to angel investors, try to talk to some VCs, which we were obviously way too early for government grants like we we tried everything yeah like i said sold my soul to start start the company and leverage it like get it there but like you know you, you do what you got to do to get it, right. get it going and make progress so
0: that that's the commitment and passion that i just like warms yeah. my heart in a, in a founder and i just so want to see succeed right I mean, yeah. i've talked so many times on on the show over the last year about this idea of how do we create Unfair advantage. Like that's that's my aspiration. Is I I want somebody to, like you, to be able to to stand up on the stage uh, in front of people and say, "I'm so glad I did it in Orange County because they just they they gave me every advantage of the the life and the talent and the support uh, to do this and sort of ensure you know help will me where at times you feel like you're so alone as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, I think that idea of like others behind us to help will us to success is is often what we're all we're looking for.
1: Yeah couldn't agree more and that's an amazing vision and I'm glad people like you and you know a lot of other people like meta and everybody else who introduced us are, are mm-hmm. trying to create that right um, and there's just so much opportunity here in the county and uh, look forward to, to seeing it potentially you know uh, materialize hopefully. So how do you keep yourself sharp
0: and, and innovative? I mean, you're obviously in a, you know, on the bleeding edge in your industry, but um, how, how do you keep evolving and, and innovating yourself?
1: I think personally, I've tried to stay true to uh, a few things that I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about. And so um, one obviously is veterans causes, mm-hmm. two is medical devices and medical technology, and three is, you know, just spending time with my family and my wife and my kids within each of those areas it's just you know maintaining awareness of the situation and understanding what's happening around us and you know staying current on things like that and then trying to identify new opportunities for the future right um and so for a while with this company uh one of the pieces of advice i got was to stay focused right and i was mm-hmm. just incredibly focused and tightly focused so i stopped doing anything but this for like mm. probably 3 year and a half like majority of the time. And only recently have I started to kind of realize like, it's okay to take 30 minutes a day or an hour a day outside of the 10 or 12 hours we're spending a singularity mm-hmm. to like explore these other things and talk about these things sure, or, mm-hmm. you know, do this stuff. And, um, and I think for me, that's just the way I'm built. Right. Like I've always been, uh, zero to like 90%, like, cause in the military, you know, 80% solutions, yeah. everything, right. Like yep. you never wait for a perfect solution. And yep. so, it's been a challenge for me in this industry because 90% doesn't mean anything. In it's not like, good it's enough. Be yeah. 90 yeah. to 99.9%. Right. And so yep. the all of the employees that we have are the opposite, right. They're like finishers, right. They're 90 to 99.9%. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I tried to force myself in that box for a long time, but I think now I've kind of got a good balance where like, I'm still a hundred percent committed and there's no question mm-hmm. about my commitment to what we're doing. But at the same time, like there's no need to like, prevent myself from maintaining awareness about the system and, mm-hmm. I, you know, thinking about new ideas or new opportunities outside of this or anything like that. Right. It's, it's just something like you said, you, you know, you bounce around, you have ADD like entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial ADD and you're like thinking about things, but at the same time that's part of being a creative person and an innovator too. Sure. So,
0: well, the key is just What's having it? that right team, right? I mean, first it's about, you know, self being self-aware of yourself, Um, If you are the idea person, you don't want everybody to be the idea person around because then maybe nothing gets done. Um, So having that, both that awareness of yourself, but also then understanding the key components to a team. I mean, it sounds like you've nailed it with yours in that you need those last mile folks, particularly in medical device, to ensure the quality and consistency and things are, are there. But if every single person is obsessing about that, then you may really end up in a local optima that you can't see beyond, right? So it Definitely. sounds like, yeah, it, I mean, I'm, I'm so impressed with uh, where you are uh, and uh, I, I'm excited for what's ahead because I have no, nothing but confidence that you guys are going to just crush it and get through your, your key milestones uh, ahead. So I know Paul was giving me the time sign, so uh, let's go to sort of final lap here. Unfortunately, I think we could continue to chat for a while. Uh, I always want to let my guests share kind of a key lesson they've learned or a piece of advice that they'd like to leave with the audience. Anything in particular that comes to mind for you this morning?
1: Yeah. Uh, what you just said really kind of sparked one thing that I've always believed and, and learned and, and been indoctrinated with and also think is applicable now. And so um, the basic philosophy is in order to lead effectively or to lead a team, uh, there's really three things that are absolutely essential. And what they are is situational awareness, yeah. self-awareness, and the ability to communicate. Knowing what's happening around me and what's happening in our environment and you know the ecosystem, uh, understanding the situation, understanding how that impacts ourselves, our team, myself or my team, uh, and what we're doing, and then being able to communicate to other people in our team to be able to do that. And so I think that's the real root of, of teamwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you boil it all down without that, you absolutely will fail. Um, and where that comes from is some of the military doctrine where the basic requirements to be able to command effectively are situational awareness and the ability to communicate. So good. Well, Derek, thank you
0: so much for joining me this morning and for sharing a ton of really valuable entrepreneurial wisdom, life wisdom, perspective. Uh, so much gold in here. Uh, I wish you all the best with Spinal Singularity and with really the the community building that you're also doing here. Thanks for doing
1: your part, and and you're definitely doing your part to accelerate OC. Appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, pleasure uh, chatting, and uh, you know. If anybody has any questions or wants to reach out, you know, I'm easy to find. You can go to our website, SponsorHooder.com, and um, uh, connect with us there. Awesome. You've just listened to Accelerate OC. Join our live recordings every Tuesday morning at AccelerateOC.com,
0: or listen, like, and share anytime from your favorite podcast spot. Let's Accelerate OC together.